Welcome to Webcology. Webcology is the show that takes you into the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Our guides will take you on a journey into web marketing and bring you the experts and the information so that you can further explore the web marketing world. Now, here are the hosts of Webcology, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome to Webcology on WMR.FM. It's the 6th of May, 2021. And believe it or not, the year is like really almost half over. I'm wrapping my head around that is it's really difficult. But this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media, Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, and we have a really interesting show. We're going to be uh, typewrote walking uh, whilst talking about link building with uh, Sirius Shepard from Moz.com. Uh, he's going to be coming on after first break, uh, getting us there. We have a whole bunch of stuff that's uh, that's happened in the last week. Um, you know, I think I, I, we should start with some of the some uplifting good news. I think it happened. Uplifting good stuff. Okay. Courtesy of Mr. Jim Boykin. So, um, <laughs> Yahoo shut down Yahoo Answers. Just gone wiped it off the web um doesn't exist anymore except it does over at https y-answers.com courtesy of mr jim boykin who took the time to scrape the entire damn database at yahoo answers and he's made it made it re reavailable reavailed it to uh, 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 uh the internet audience of whomever I think it's not surprising to me that that Jim did that. Um, it, it's a really, really, really smart idea. Um, and uh, yeah, like good, good for him. I have a feeling it's going to work well uh, for, for Jim in, in, in as a, a branding area moment, of, maybe. Yeah, exactly. A, a branding. And I mean, if it is that replacement and it ranks and people link to it because it is the replacement for that thing. Like, like I could really see Jim doing like automated <laughs> outreach going, you link to Yahoo Answers. We're now over here, right? Like just boost up that domain. And we know what Jim does like strongly for a living. Well, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not I mean, like, 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 like nobody, nobody, nobody even Googles this thing, but I talk this quickly and I think what it's not the links going into the, uh, in, in, into that database, I'd be interested in things coming out of it. That's going to be really neat. But no one yeah. Google listens when we talk that fast, right? <laughs> but yeah, I think, I think uh, uh, Jim bought himself a machine is what Jim did. Yeah. <laughs> But you know what's really cool? If you go over to y-answers.com, look at the uh, look at the skinnies. He's he's ninjified Yahoo Answers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so not I only, actually like it. I'm like, oh, that's a lot easier on the eyes. Yeah. Not not only is he weaponized it, he's he's ninjified it, so you won't even see it coming. <laughs> so okay. if you if there are anybody who wants answers to questions from 14 years ago, head on over there. <laughs> Okay, so uh, Facebook is continuing Trump's ban um, for at least six more months. The uh, Oversight Committee, a committee of uh, 20 responsible persons from around the United States, um, decided to uphold the, uh, the ban that was enacted after, after the insurrection and riots on January 6th. Um, gonna uphold it for six more months, but at that time, uh, Facebook is going to have to, A, decide whether the ban continues or not, and B, 
clarify the rules um, on what it takes to get banned. Um, it, clearly, it takes a heck of a lot to get banned. Um, I think um, rebellion is the the like like actual staged rebellion is the 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 the, the line that you got across at least according. To, that's the valuation point that Facebook has assigned so far. And so its committee is asking for a bit of clarification, um, given how easy it is to pass disinformation and, well, ferment sedition, sedition on that platform. Yeah. Yeah. The permaban from Twitter is, according to Twitter, permanent. That's right. And that's, from that's interesting to actually just go forever. Um, but it's it's their property and it, you know i we like I, i'm not going to go down that rabbit hole because we got a lot to, to deal with as to like personal rights of a corporation um so what other stories should we cover like you, you're right like a lot happened and we've got less time to cover okay. it because we've got an outstanding guest here's a neat one that came from google that i that, that i actually i agree with them on this but i don't know where their where their line is going to be so you remember how um ip detection um, and you, you figure out where the IP is coming from and you serve up slightly different content to mm -hmm. different places. Yep. At one time, Google took a really dim view of that because you might be serving up different content to viewers than you were serving to Google. Mm -hmm. Google, that was back when Google had to like spider your entire web page to, to, to see what was there. Google now renders content and renders, renders what it sees from a number of different data centers. So if you're cloaking, it's much more likely you're going to get caught today than you were, say, right. 10 years ago when cloaking was a real rule. Because uh, Gary Eyes um, uh, uh, was, was saying in, um, in a Reddit forum that uh, IB detection and minor content changes, there, might, there may well be a really good reason the webmaster chooses to do that. Google probably will know that and not penalize you. Which makes perfect sense because there are a ton of Google does it right. <laughs> there, there's tons of reasons why you would why you would do that, um, like use detection like that, like location detection. I mean, a bunch of different detection things. Um, you know, IP being one of them. So it, it, it makes perfect sense. I understand. Like you and I remember the, the like wild west of the like, especially mid two thousands, right, where it was just like. Things like that got abused just to the end. Yeah, I'm looking at you, web gorilla. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was uh, Ann Iceman, who is now the head SEO at Salesforce. No, Todd Friesen um, perfected um, IP masquerading and, and IP detection uh, mm -hmm. with, with many of his affiliate programs. And, he, you know, he broke the rules big time and got away with it big time. And I think actually Google was reacting to a lot of stuff Todd was doing in the, in, like you were saying, in 2002, 2003. Yeah. Um, anyway, that was a hard, fast rule written in stone or inscribed in silicone. That's not so inscribed in silicone anymore and probably hasn't been for a while. But now it's official. Right. Okay. So I want to say this slowly so that everyone really understands this, okay? Speed is good, but it's not the panacea. When it comes down to it, if somebody's got better content than you do that answers a question better than your website does and has a higher quality website, and your website might be a little bit faster, but theirs is higher quality, they'll probably rank higher than you because they answered the question that was asked in the query. But if it comes to a tiebreaker, whatever a tiebreaker means in the 
um, wild world of algorithms. Apparently, it happens more frequently than you might think. If it comes down to a tiebreaker between choosing between sites, speed will be the deciding factor. That comes from from, uh, Gary, Martin, and John, three podcasters of note, uh, who also happen to all work for Google. Yeah, and you know what? They they talked about that. And it's funny. I was actually just linking to a past um, search off the record, their pod, like the podcast they all do together. Um, I was linking to one for a developer going, okay, and this is where he describes how to solve this JavaScript uh, serving problem to, to beat, well, not beat, but to improve the core web vitals of, of a site. Um, for listeners um, who may not be aware of search off the record, IMO, um, it is the unsung hero of podcasts, the stuff they cover there is just brilliant. Every episode, I pick up at least two gems of like things that I may know it, but it's great to be able to send it to a developer so they can hear like Martin, who's super smart at JavaScript and can explain it a lot better than I can explaining it to them uh, what needs to be done and stuff. So if you haven't subscribed um, right after you've listened to ours, you should (laughs) add that to your listening list. Absolutely. Um, Okay. Embedded links. You remember? Okay, so, so Google was like throwing links into featured snippets on uh, search results in India, only mm-hmm. in India. And so this happened. It got noticed immediately. Um, immediately, it was it was one of Barry Barry Schwartz's sources from India who noticed this immediately. They got they call Barry Barry uh, or they email Barry. Barry takes their screenshot, puts it up on SE Roundtable. Uh, the search world freaks out because what the heck is Google experimenting with, with in India that we don't know about and it's going to be coming here, but you can't be doing that to our search results, gosh darn it. As it turns out, it was a mistake, just a, a bug, uh, a uh, an error, a uh, big nothing burger. It's really nothing to see here. Oops, they didn't mean it, Dave. Don't worry about it. Right, and and my my response to, to to that idea that I mean this is a highly complicated thing. I'm I'm going to quote uh, your good friend and mine, Mr. Jeremy Knopf, who's about as subtle as a nuclear attack. Yeah. Uh, this is shady <laughs> as hell, and that was his his response. And I think that's right. Like this isn't a, a bug. Like you don't. I can't think of any way that accidentally slips into code. <laughs> How do you do that exactly? <laughs> It's like I tripped and button mashed my keyboard and suddenly I'm putting links into featured snippets. Like, no. Um, yeah, like my, my, my finger hit the escape button, I swear. <laughs> so, so no, it wasn't. Maybe it was a mistake to push it out just to India. Like, I don't know what the mistake was they might have been talking about, but the this was a was deliberate the damn thing out in the first place. Like, that's not cool. The, the, the mistake was thinking you can add links back to your own results in um in data you scraped from other people's sites like the feature snippets it's one thing uh, i know click results that's, that's that's one thing it could actually be really helpful to to, to users whatever yeah. but throwing your own links in there um like that that moves from the well maybe to the seriously not cool yeah, anyway. like those are the sorts of things that I, I, I think genuinely we could, if, if they wanted to go the route of on hover, it'll give you a definition, like put up the featured snippet for that, not link, but just sort sure? of, okay. okay, I don't understand cloud security or something, right? Like where it could give you the featured snippet for that. I think I, I'd be completely fine with that because the, the example used in the image is cybersecurity, right? So I get it. There might be terms in there and I, I work a lot in machine learning and stuff. I get it. There's terms where you're like, okay, what does YOLO mean, right? Like in regards to machine learning. 
okay, hover over it, get a brief description. I can get that. It would make the featured snippet better. But you're drawing away from this poor author just one more time in this case. Um, so yeah, I, I, I tend to agree and I, I don't like it. So again, according to, uh, to, to Google spokesperson Danny Sullivan, oops, it's, they didn't mean it. It's probably not going to happen again, but if it does, freak out like you did, like y'all did the last time, because apparently that works. Um, okay, we got a couple more minutes before uh, before uh, Sirius Shepherd from Moz comes on. I can I can see he's sitting in the green room right now. Um, Facebook neighborhood neighborhoods. Yeah. Facebook has yeah. a uh, a new feature that's going to be like the next door killer or the killer next door, depending how you look at Facebook. Um, I'm sorry, the next door killer. Um, what do you think? Is this a smart idea? Should they go after other uh, applications like this? They kind of have to. Like, I don't blame businesses for going, yes, we need to go after this thing. Facebook does, it, it does make a natural. It's funny, I hadn't read the announcement before I, I sort of saw it in, in the app um, because it was available first here. But I actually had seen it and I'm like, ugh. But to me, this is like the, the worst like, I, I don't want to use this. I, I mean, me personally as a feature, I think it could be super helpful for marketers. Like once I got over my, why would I want to be connected with all the people around me? <laughs> like, we have a whole like, pandemic to stop that, you know? Right, well, exactly. Um, but but that's me and, and I'm already part of like neighborhood groups and, and stuff like that. So I get quite enough of, of that sort of side of things. But marketer hat back on and going, okay, this will actually be like curated, you know, sort of locations where you could be marketing in in sort of radiuses and neighborhoods around you done properly. I'm not talking about spam, but just like, okay, we're the community and this is, you know, what's going on around us, you know, a place to post, um, you know, deals at different places or, or what not. Like basically, I, I it's, it's brand new, so I haven't like fully thought this out, but um, it, I, I can't help but think if you're one of the earlier adopters and, and one of the earlier people in there in local, yeah. um, you, you could do quite well. Um, so it's, it's going to be an interesting avenue to watch people pursue. And for once, it's one of the rare things like we, we in Canada actually have like a bit of lead time to figure this thing out. <laughs> well, I'm going to be playing with it next week. Maybe I'll have something to say about it. Um, and you know what? There's a bunch of stories I, st I want to cover. We are burning time. Um, Sirius is, 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 is sitting in the, uh, the green room. So um, just to get over it really fast. Not using Google Google Analytics will not make you rank lower. Putting images in your website on your web pages will not make you rank higher. It all balances out, you see. Um, <laughs> Google Analytics will give you critical information as Google sees it, but that's Google data. You know that that's that's their set of data. It's not really interoperable with other sets of data. Heck, it's not even interoperable with other Google data half the time. Yeah. But it's really helpful. Um, as for images, I have no idea where that comes from. You might get some placements in Google Images if you have images. Otherwise, what the hell are we talking about? Right. Well, that's that's it. It's like, yes, on Google Image Search, it will help. Right? Like, totally. Better than um, having none. Better than having none. <laughs> Shoot. Because that's, that's the thing there. Yeah, I, I'm not even quite sure where some questions come from. I suppose that one could say, like, will adding images to your pages help you rank higher? If images increase the value of that page, then potentially it could, but an image by itself does does not very clearly. So, okay, we got to go to break. Like we 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 just had a whole bunch of fun in the news section, but we have uh, Cyrus Shepard from uh, 
from Moz hanging out, waiting to talk about link building and uh, all the factors that go into link building. So, friends, you are listening to Webcology on WMR.FM on the uh, 6th of May, 2021. On behalf of Dave Davies from BSOC Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Stick around. Back after these messages. Maximum customer engagement and retention. Choose CleverTap. CleverTap is a leading customer engagement and retention platform that helps digital brands maximize lifetime value. Over 8,000 apps around the world, including Vodafone, Star, and Sony. Trust CleverTap to improve user engagement, boost retention, and fuel long-term revenue growth. Learn more at CleverTap.com. That's CleverTap.com. Are you looking for the best in WordPress speed, security, and scalability? WP Engine is a digital experience platform for WordPress, powering digital experiences for large brands around the world. With easy-to-use site management tools and powerful do-it-your-way development features, WP Engine gives you the flexibility to build it your way. Improve your SEO and conversion rates with a faster site on WP Engine. Learn more on WPEngine.com. Find our shows anywhere you download your podcasts. Pick out some new favorite podcasts now. Only on WMR.FM. Webcology takes you to the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey guys, how are you? Excellent. Um, we're going to be walking through um, whether you know what, Cyrus. Whether we want to or not, there is controversy around Moz, around some of your metrics, and around your founder. I, I do not want to put you on the spot of having to um, answer for any of that. That's in no way a purpose. Hey. But there are there's elephants in the rooms that we can't ignore. So we're gonna have to ask some questions. Okay. Is that cool? Happy, happy to answer for anything and take responsibility for all of it. <laughs> okay. Well, there's that nuclear arms situation we need to talk about. Like yeah. I I don't know what you were thinking, but like um, okay, so you guys, first off, I just want to give a quick bio. Um Cyrus Shepard is a longtime SEO. He's an online marketer. He's a publisher, speaker, a writer. He's got tons of years of experience building like traffic through SEO and content marketing. He's uh, leads SEO at Moz. He, uh, from that position, he teaches others. He's met thousands of uh, the top online marketers across the across, around the world. You've uh, seen him on Whiteboard Fridays. You've uh, seen him at, at at various shows and conventions. Um, and it's really good having you on the air here. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, thank you. I'm glad to be here with you. I, I, I should clarify. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't say I lead SEO mods, but I work with a great team of people there, like Dr. Pete, uh, Tim Capper, Kavi Cardos. But uh, I, I, I have been doing SEO with mods for uh, something like ten years now. Yeah, well, before before we jump into um, any of the questions about link building itself, right now, um, SEO SEO mods started as an SEO company. Yeah, um, as, back, a, as a consultancy, yes. Back in the day uh, when it was like like based in the U District in Seattle. Yeah, 
Um, and then I think it was like 2006, 2007, um, it pivoted and became a tool making company. It created the, uh, the Moz tool set, dropped the name SEO from its moniker, just went by the name Moz, and became one of the most popular tool sets on the internet, um, coming up with uh, metrics that are used far and wide, um, though not necessarily by Google. Um, back in the days when Rand was known for um, being a cover boy on, I think it was Newsweek, and for his yellow shoes. Yes. Um, so what is Moz today? Is Moz a tool company or an SEO company? Well, we're, we're, Moz is an SEO tool company, uh, still one of the uh, major uh, SEO tool companies um, by subscription numbers, which I, I can't go into the specifics, but uh, also, also we take a lot of pride in our SEO education, uh, our learning resources, trying to get, uh, we, we've always felt ever since Rand started the blog, you know, back in 2004, I believe, there's always been that public mission aspect of educating the public about SEO best practices, things like that. So, uh, Moz is a, a lot of things today, but primarily still an SEO tool company. Okay, now you have um, you are one of the most recognizable names in the in the SEO industry um, in the search mar- in the I should say in the online marketing industry. Um, one of the first major tool sets out there, and thus uh, I think you all benefited from being um, from so many early adopters and. Because of that, a number of the metrics uh, used by uh, the Moz set became standard, although not necessarily industry standard, but standard with people who who, who use the Moz set. I'm, I, w- I want to get the domain authority controversy out of the way as quickly as possible, so we don't got to talk about it later. We can just just you know blow through. There was a, a, a question and answer session a couple of weeks ago with um, John Mueller. And um, one, of the, one of the people asking the question asked John how she could raise the domain authority on her blog. John's response was kind of sarcastic, um, saying domain authority, that's meaningless. I don't, I don't know what, what, what's this domain authority stuff you speak of. It means nothing to Google. She comes back and says, yeah, you're right. It, it doesn't mean anything to Google but it means everything to my corporate clients. They measure my blog based on domain authority and that's whether they measure whether they want to invest in me, my writing and then put links in my blog. Gary didn't have uh, an answer for that because he's not gonna tell her how to raise domain authority. I think the, uh, the way to do that is to throw good links at it, but that's manipulating Google. So Gary can't answer that. And SEOs, in the chatosphere broke into um, controversy around the, the concept of domain authority. Got to the point where your colleague, Dr. Pete, came and said, yo, we didn't mean for this to happen this way, but it sort of went down this way. And he cited when uh, the, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, page rank metric that used to be shown, the little green- uh, Toolbar page rank. Toolbar, yeah. When it went away, According to Dr. Pete, the corporate world needed something to measure the efficacy of links on a page, and it became domain authority. Is that pretty much how the story goes down? 
Yeah, that, that's 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 pretty accurate. You know, uh, those conversations with the Google Webmaster team, who I think do a fantastic job, uh, John Mueller and the rest. Uh, but when you ask them about domain authority, uh, they don't talk about the metrics that they actually use, like PageRank. Uh, you will you will very rarely hear the Google Webmaster team give advice on increasing PageRank, which we know is an actual ranking factor. Usually, it's a deflection. Uh, we don't actually use domain authority. Uh, that's not something you should worry about. And it's these. I, I wish. I. I'm not sure they reflect the spirit of the question. But in truth, yes, domain authority is a very simple metric. It predicts a site's ability to rank. There are no other metrics that do a better job that I know of looking at different correlation studies than domain authority. AREFS has their version, Site Authority, SEMrush has their version, uh, Majestic has Trustflow, which is a great metric in and of itself. And they do very simple things. Uh, I think some people are upset for two reasons. One, that people think it's an actual ranking factor that Google uses, which is important to clarify that it's not. But two, that sites are buying and selling links or you know, judging sponsorship opportunities based on raw domain authority scores, which I, I get it, uh, but that's the, that's the unfortunate nature of our business. If they weren't using domain authority, other metrics they could use, you know, could be raw traffic or ability to rank for certain things. But domain authority is, you know, provides a, a shorthand, a quick way to assess, you know, the value of a potential site. So it well, is what it you, is. Given that, would you suggest that domain authority is a good way to assign a monetary value to a to a website? Uh, it, it, it's one of many metrics that you're probably going to look at. I mean, the, the advice of Moz is never use domain authority in isolation. By itself, it's just a number and it means very, very little. Uh, but if you're doing, you know, a quick and dirty analysis, uh, you, uh, it's, it's helpful uh, when combined with other metrics to potentially judge uh, a site's ability to rank. It, it's interesting because you I, I had a question and I'm like, oh, you almost answered it there. Like you, you almost came because I, I love the word combined, um, yeah. like that you use that. And it's like, uh, like I, I'll do the same thing. Do I look at DA? Of course I do, um, you know, among other things. And it'll go, help me go, do I look further, right? Like when you're looking at a list of millions or hundreds or like whatever your list is of domains that you're looking at for purpose X, Y, or Z, DA is a good like first filter. <laughs> to yeah. put in there and go, okay, let's let's prune this down a little bit. Would you consider it? And this is just opinion. It all depends on on specifics of of what you're trying to do. But but looking at the specific case in point that we were talking about, where somebody's trying to value their own domain and 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 the value of them writing as as an influencer and and, and things like that in that application, would you consider DA? perhaps more valuable than if they just handed over their traffic stats without any context of it's organic, it's paid, it's from social, whatever. Um, or is it just, it's all equal. It really depends on how you look at, at what you're doing and, and what you take one step further. Yeah. I think, I think it's an unfortunate situation. There's a billion dollar influencer uh, economy uh, where sites are buying and selling influence and links and sponsorship opportunities. And it's unfortunate that DA has become, you know, such a simple metric that these these corporations don't want to dive a little further in, into those relationships. And if I had a DA of, you know, 12 and sites weren't looking at me, you know, I'd, I'd feel terrible. And I'd, I'd be like, 
that that's horrible. Uh, I wish we I wish we had better ways of judging a site's potential traffic. Uh, I wish Google was a little more transparent with their own metrics so we wouldn't have to rely on domain authority. I get it. It's an unfortunate situation for both the bloggers and the billion-dollar influencer industry in general, uh, which has its own dirty laundry. Uh, and, I, I, and I think domain authority is sort of getting wrapped up in this, you know, sort of shady, shady industry. But uh, I, I wish there was a better way. A, a lot of the controversy um, comes from um, well, from from Rand himself, from the from the founder of, of Moz. Um, if I remember correctly, Spark Toro uh, wasn't that originally supposed to um, measure the efficacy of different um, social properties like blogs and uh, social media profiles and stuff. Well, I don't I don't want to miss I don't want to misrepresent Rand here. Uh, no, no, indeed, indeed, and I don't uh, want to be in that position. I, I think I think the the purpose of Spark Toro is to uh, find where your audience is hanging out, uh, and not necessarily not necessarily to rate the efficiency of you know certain individual blogs, but just find who is your audience following. Uh, if you're if you're looking for people who own dogs, who do people who own dogs follow, and where do, what websites do they listen to? What podcasts do they listen to? Things like that. Uh, I was just wondering if domain authority should be a part of the SparkToro set of uh, yeah. of, of, of tools. I, I yeah, I, I probably not. <laughs> okay. Um, so you guys have been making tools for the last for over a decade now. Oh yeah. And um, that, how to say this? What we measure and how we measure it in in digital marketing changes fairly rapidly. I mean, Google's Google's introducing a whole slew of changes with uh, with flock should that initiative survive how does moz know when it's time to make significant changes to its tool sets and when those when those changes happen um how this is a very difficult question to ask that um how do you plan out the changes to keep to preserve data integrity Okay, uh, that's that's a very interesting question. Uh, so metrics like domain authority and page authority are constantly being updated. Um, sometimes majorly, sometimes just just rerunning the algorithm. Uh, a, a new page authority uh, has been in the works for you know a, a year now. Uh, I'm not sure if we've released it yet, but other metrics. Uh, you know, we Moz just introduced uh, is pulling in um, PageSpeed Insight scores into its, you know, which is a which is a not not a Moz metric, but there are other metrics that uh, are in development that I can't speak precisely about that uh, focus on brand authority uh, and uh, the idea of uh, how influential your site is as a brand and how it relates to your SERP visibility, which I think is really interesting. Uh, but the point of data integrity, it's it's really important. And having trying to have the best metrics, Moz Moz metrics are. <laughs> we put a lot of work into them to be incredibly accurate, uh, and I don't think I, I don't think the average SEO uh, really appreciates how much work goes into making those metrics accurate. I remember back uh, when uh, Rand was was announcing the the transition of Moz and what he described how he. Um 
how how, how Mazda developed the, the 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 spider that was you know that he had basically made a search engine and then made a tool set around yeah. the search engine. Yeah. So yeah, the original the original um, Linkscape. Uh, what was it? Thank you. Yeah, developed by developed by a couple of uh, grads from University of Washington. They bought the Moz bought the company, hired hired Ben and Chaz, and uh, they turned it into this amazing crawler. And then other companies started started mimicking it. Uh, Dimitri at Arefs built has built an amazing uh, crawling and indexing system over at Arefs. Uh, Semrush has have, have have their own data sciences. But yeah, it was it was Moz that originally invented all of this stuff in the first place. Yeah, so so you guys have about at least a dozen years of the web. Yeah. And then some. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in that time, the uh, how and why we place links on a page have changed. Expectations from Google, from webmasters have changed. Heck, the, the very websites we built have changed. This is um, an e-com world now. You guys have been uh, teaching webmasters how to build links for, for, for years. How... I want to get into the nitty gritty when we get into our next segment, but can you describe the evolution over the last decade or so of, of link building as an industry? Yeah, well, it's, it's certainly gotten harder I, with the, you know, the obvious thing being penguin back in what, 2013, when Google, you know, discounted a bunch of got very, very good at detecting spammy links and just penalizing and discounting them. Uh, but it's interesting because, you know, part of the reason for coming on the show, we recently released uh, our beginner's guide to link building, a new edition by Patty Mugan, who's an excellent link builder out of the UK. And it, it had been seven years since we updated that guide. And we're like, we're going to have to rewrite the entire thing. The interesting thing is we, how much hasn't changed. Uh, the, the guide need, definitely needed some updates, but the, the basics of link building over the last seven years are have been pretty stable uh creating the types of resources that people want to link to uh doing outreach the relevancy of the links all those fundamentals really haven't changed all that much okay um how about the need of it the uh the a couple of years ago uh probably i don't know i'm not for me, a couple, I'm old. For me, a couple of years ago could be like seven <laughs> years. And I, I don't even got a clue. But it feels like a couple of years ago. The, um, the common mantra was throw links at it. A bulk of links yeah. would, would just do the job. Yeah. Um, I don't think that's the case anymore. I think Google's yeah. a little more savvy now. How has that changed the job that link builders have to do? Yeah, so I think I think one thing the link building industry does not want to admit is that we're seeing more and more cases where uh, a link building agency has a very successful campaign building hundreds of links to a site and there is zero impact on traffic. Uh, that doesn't happen all the time, but we I think Google has gotten much better at ignoring uh, certain classes of links that they find simply irrelevant or manipulative in some way. And uh, of course, we don't link building agencies don't talk about that so much because that's that's not their business model. But I think I think we're definitely definitely seeing Google ignore more more links and out you know general outreach being harder, uh, things like that. Well, in 
I, I guess I liken it to the fishing industry. There has to be a certain amount of chum with all with yeah. no matter how wide you cast you cast a wide net, you're going to bring in a whole bunch of chum as well as the good fish. Um, is it harder to get um, strong and useful links now than it was before? And uh, what do you got to do to 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 acquire them? Yeah, well, the old tactics still work. Uh, you know, I, I think outreach is certainly harder. Uh, cold outreach when you don't have an existing relationship, which is what they teach you in a lot of, you know, in a lot of these uh, link building guides. I, I think the number that, you know, the best way to get links, which I think is the the hidden way of getting links. When when people like you and I are writing blog posts, what do we do? We, uh, we're looking for research. The first thing we do is we Google it and we find what's right. Oh, like, oh yeah, that's an awesome resource. Uh, and I think, I think the naturally ranking for certain things uh, is the simply the easiest way of building links these days. Uh, not not necessarily outreach, but building people building things that rank that people can look up via Google, and Google becomes your link builder. So, is this a case? And, and it used to be, and I, I used to say, like I remember when Matt Cuts would would like stand on his soapbox and say, "Don't build links, you know, just build good content," and we'd all sort of look like. Yeah, but you're not going to rank it without the links. So, you know, is it a case then, uh, because you do need that strength and authority to back to rank to get the link, yep. is it a case of the rich will just keep getting richer? Or is that where really good innovative link building comes in is especially on the ground floor? And then after that, you can make it more a content play. Yeah, I think it's I think it's a combination of both. I think uh, you can you some outreach is going is always going to be necessary, uh, but I think even low. I, I found that you know some of my affiliate sites and whatnot uh, publishing good data studies that don't necessarily rank that well. If people find them and start ranking for them, even if they're on page two, uh, if they're a great resource, the natural link building can sometimes overtake the manual link building. But yeah, it's a combination. I, the rich get rich is a great point because sometimes people are just linking to things because it's on, it's the first result. And so they trust it, but it's not necessarily the great greatest resource, which is unfortunate, but you know, that does happen. It's funny. You, you mentioned the trusting thing. I, I was at my, my grandmother who's about to turn 90. I was at her house last weekend uh, and, and got into a, a discussion in describing actually how I do and, and things like link building. And, and she just looked with this bit of like horror <laughs> <laughs> like I'm actually going, oh, so like what I find is not actually just like the best thing. And I'm like, no, we try to produce the best thing for our clients, but no, it's there because we, we position it there. So, I mean, that, that is a good point. Um, and I loved your, your sort of the, the route you were taking there. I I've always been a big fan and we work with some tech companies of benchmarks for, for exactly the same sort of thing. You can be on page two, but if it's a really good, clear benchmark credit to them, Kinsta does some, some great ones for like hosting related tech and stuff that I've modeled after a few times. Um, so you're right. Like if you can just produce a really good thing in a format that people haven't seen before. Yeah. So let's bring it full circle back to, you know, back in, I, I don't remember when Google removed toolbar page rank 2000, like 10 years ago. But, you know, one of the reasons they did that is because people were building manipulative links and basing it on page rank and they took it away. And Google doesn't like to talk about links, but uh, because they don't like people manipulating their algorithm and which makes their search results worse. But you absolutely have to build links because it's such a it's such an important ranking factor. And oh. Google wants would like us to believe it's not as important as we think it is. But uh, the fact that they don't talk about it is kind of the elephant in the room. 
well, it's it's always been one of I think the great complaints SEOs have, the great legitimate complaints SEOs have against Google. They created a commodity, they made links a commodity. They told us don't commodify our links, <laughs> but here's how it works. And then, and then, I mean, like if 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 I make a website, that's my property. I made it, and you're telling me I can't put a sign on my property, I can't put a link on my property, I can't, and that's hard for people who are entrepreneurs to wrap their head around because it's my property um but at the same time okay respect the ecosystem way cool but they made links a commodity there's no mm-hmm. you can't you can't un you can't unthink that it's just how it works and yep. it's maddening yep absolutely and i i i I think there's probably some other things in Google's algorithm that they don't want us to know about uh, that they've successfully covered up a little bit better than links. Personally, I think engagement signals are a a huge ranking influence, and that's another controversial topic that we could do a whole show about. Yeah, absolutely can. But before we get to do even half a show or a quarter of a show, <laughs> we got to take a break. We got to we got to get some some commercial time in. So, uh, friends, you were listening to Webcology on WMR.FM. It is the uh, 6th of May, 2021. We have uh, Cyrus Shepard from Moz on talking about link building and friends stick around. we got a lot more coming up after these messages. the truth you need to know about podcasting. The biggest problem you face right now as a future podcaster is the myth that it takes an enormous amount of time or effort to produce a high-quality professional podcast. Luckily for you, there's a solution to your problem. If you're an online marketer who really needs to grow an audience of buyers but can't do all the heavy lifting alone, then here's the solution you're looking for. Introducing the DFY Podcasting System. Here's what you get. 30 minutes of one-on-one training. A weekly podcast for you or your company. Distribution to almost every podcast portal. An embeddable player for your website. An ebook called How to Podcast, created for WMR.FM show hosts. And much, much more. And best of all, you'll start seeing results with the DFY podcast system within a couple of weeks. You're just one podcast away from growing brand awareness and engagement in your business. Log on to podcast.wmr.fm and sign up for a deeply discounted rate today. That's podcast.wmr.fm. Synergize your search engine education from 101 to rockstar level. Only on wmr.fm. Webcology takes you to the deepest and darkest ends of the ecosystem on the internet. Here are the hosts, Jim Hedger and Dave Davies. Hey everyone, welcome back to Webcology on WMR.FM. It's the uh, 6th of May, 2021. This is Jim Hedger from Digital Ways Media and Dave Davies from Beastock Internet Marketing. And we're joined by Cyrus Shepard from Moz. And we have taken a long time to get to the Beginner's Guide to Link Building, a uh, extremely long guide, which is easy to read, not not scary at all, but very lengthy. It's at moz.com slash beginners dash guide dash to dash link building. <laughs> uh, check it out. And uh, uh, Cyrus, have uh, you guys have been pushing webinars um, you've uh, you, you've uh, been been publishing papers in, uh, in in journals. You've been pushing the beginner's guide to link building out in the industry a lot recently. Why? Well, 
<laughs> uh, I'm curious. Why? What are you doing? What you uh, Because because we want to rank for it. Uh, because it's a, it's, <laughs> no, that's a good reason. It's it's a great it's a great lead gen. Uh, but it's also it's also it's part of the mission of SEO education. It's 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 holistic link building. We don't encourage tactics that make the web uh, worse. Uh, huge respect to Patty Mugan, uh, who wrote 90% of the guide uh, with ERA, which I consider one of the best uh, link building agencies you know, on the planet. He's done an amazing job there. Uh, so updating it and pushing it out. When, because when people Google link building, we want them to find this resource because it, we, we believe this is the type of resource that deserves to rank number one for, this type, for these types of queries. So if anybody wants to build a link going into it, I'm sure it would be welcome. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> please, um, please link to it right now, please. <laughs> so what's changed in the guide? If, uh, if somebody had read the guide um, a couple of years ago and they were reading the guide again today, what, what would be different? So mostly, interestingly, as I as I mentioned earlier, uh, very few things have, in in terms of practice, have actually changed. So we had to update a lot of the technical advice. You know, no follow links have certainly changed. Uh, how Google treats uh, spammy links has has changed. We updated a lot of the examples. You know, to modern best practice. Uh, some modern campaigns, a lot of the examples we had in there were, were really outdated. Um, and how we talked about black hat SEO has certainly changed in that time. So, but the, the basics, how you build links, how you, how you create resources that people want to link to, how you find your audience before you build your, before you build your content. Uh, I think that's the, the biggest thing that people miss. They don't know who's going to link before they build their content. Successful link builders always know who's going to link before they build, build something. Uh, so a lot, uh, you know, there's been some changes, but a lot of it is, you know, has been solid advice for the last seven years. You know, and, and it, it, just in the last paragraph, you said there's there's a dozen questions I want to ask. But one I wanted to ask before that is one that, that has been um, actually kind of bugging me since uh, since Penguin was released back in uh, 2013 or 14. So Google said um, before Penguin, you had dodgy links. Google was said they would penalize you for them. They're going to find them. They're going to they're going to they're going to spank you for it. And you might lose ranking mm -hmm. after Penguin. Google says, yeah, you know, dodgy links. Sure, they're out there. We hate them. So we're just ignoring them. They're not going to help you build as many as you want. Waste your time. We don't care because we don't care. So what's the deal? Does Google not care, or does Google? Because because now we also hear that that you can do um you you can you can do negative SEO by slamming dodgy links at a website, but Google doesn't care. So how mm. can you do negative SEO? So what's the deal here? Does Google care? I, I what Google cares about uh, we have to remember I think is the quality of their search results. Uh, we did a you know I did a analysis of competitors uh, a while back. And I was surprised how many big names in the SEO space were, you know, creating or buying dodgy links, but it doesn't matter. Google doesn't care because uh, it's, if, if the resource deserves to rank number one, if you're a big site and you're buying dodgy links, they're not going to penalize you. They're not going to take the New York Times out of the top ranking position because they're, they're buying links. When they penalized JCPenney many years ago, you know, it was, it was a slap on the wrist, but they can't take JC Penny out of the search results. They could today because they're gone bankrupt. But you know, back in the day, they can't do that uh, because 
their number one priority is the quality of their search results. So if you're a low ranking website that doesn't have a lot of authority, your your risk is much higher, you know, with with dodgy links and but if you're if you're a large authority site, it's it's probably not going to hurt you much. But to be fair, I haven't seen a lot of evidence of uh, dodgy links hurting a lot of sites in the last couple of years. I'm sure it's out there. I'm sure negative SEO with links still exists, but I'm seeing less and less evidence of it. You, you had mentioned going back and you're sort of like rattling off some of the, the differences between the two documents. And, and you made a statement that I think I know what you're getting at, but you made it sound like just an obvious thing. Um, and you're like, well, no follows chain, right? And just like moved straight on from that. Okay, last few years. How did nofollow change? Yeah. So Google, uh, I think it was two or three years ago. No, it's, it's been a while. Time passes so quickly. We're, <laughs> we're all getting older. Uh, announced that nofollow is now a hint. It's it's kind of like a canonical tag. It's it's just something Google takes in, or an hreflang attribute. It's a hint for Google. Uh, and they also introduced a couple of other attributes, uh, rel sponsored and rel UGC, so that you can mark your sponsored content. Uh, you can mark user generated content. Uh, so, but everything now is a hint. Uh, we've, and we've tried to run some analysis of using these attributes and using nofollow. We found no difference in the pages that use them, uh, but we haven't we haven't had a good analysis of if sites are actually benefiting more from nofollow links. So everything's a hint now, um, and, and that's how it's changed. So there might there's potentially slightly more value in nofollow links compared to what there used to be. Now, before we went to break, right now, immediately, you're going to be like, okay, yeah, you need to go down that rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you, you had mentioned user signals i'll just refer to it as user signals because like i, I know it always gets like under yep. like gary's skin over there Let, let's head down that rabbit hole we only have like seven or eight minutes here but let's get how would user generated signals impact search results so here's here's the interesting thing uh, a lot of googlers and a lot of seos toe the line that Google does not use click behavior. Uh, we know they, we know Google uses click behavior for certain things such as evaluating new algorithms um, or uh, there's there's a document, How Search Works, uh, that say that they use click signals to train their machine learning algorithms. We don't know exactly how they use click signals. Uh, but Bing, Google, Google's largest competitor with like 1% market share uh, openly admits they use click signals to rank web pages. Um, we've seen some papers from Apple, you know, talking about the, the rumored Apple search engine. They openly admit that they will rank pages using click signals. Google has several patents filed where they talk about using click signals to rank web pages as a ranking input. Uh, it's funny, whenever you ask a Googler about click signals, they usually use the word noisy. It's a noisy signal. I think they have it plastered on a wall somewhere that uh, when anybody asks about click signals, use the word noisy. It wouldn't make sense for us to use that because it's noisy. But yet when you read the patents, uh, they say it's a very noisy signal, but here are some ways that we can actually do it. Uh, so I I tend to think there's a preponderance of evidence that Google does use click signals. Looking at what people click, uh, how long they stay on the page, how they return 
back to search results and click another results. There's a wealth of data there that they can get from Chrome and, and their own search results. I think they'd be foolish not to use it. And if I was running a search engine, I'd certainly use it. So yeah, I think user engagement signals are probably a hidden ranking factor that we don't talk enough about. Would, would you maybe think that links might be a little noisy? <laughs> like, Damn right. Noisy signals. Very good point. Uh, I mean, they've spent years uh, cutting through the noise of links. I mean, click signals should be easy compared to that. Uh, yeah, an, it, it, sorry, go ahead, Jim. I was going to say, as an, as an original kernel, they have like tons and tons and tons of data on the, on every website and on every link, and they they probably even have like data on webmaster intention when laying the link. So, you know, I think I think they can suss stuff out like quality signals from links better than they can from how users are reacting to the information because everyone's going to information for different reasons, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, different intents. Uh, I, and like like links, I suspect that uh, a lot of user interaction signals are probably ignored uh, just because they're they're just not useful. They need to be filtered out. Um, but in aggregate, when looking at billions of user interaction signals, they start to become useful. Now, I, I know we're, we're getting to the end, and there, there's a question that I just absolutely need to be asking. And, and so we've only got about four minutes, and, and hopefully we'll get some more in here after that'll actually be on SEO. But um, I, I know for the last couple of years, things have been been a, a little shaky. I've been dying to go to Garage for a party. So 2022, oh, yeah. what do you think? Are, are we going to be having a MozCon? Gosh, I sure, I sure hope so, Dave. I hope we can have a beer at MozCon at the garage. We're going uh, MozCon, which anybody who's been to MozCon, it is an awesome SEO conference. Uh, no, no two ways about it. We're going virtual again this year, which is which is great. I'm glad we're getting some content out there. But man, I miss the in-person conferences. There, nothing beats it. Are you, uh, you guys, getting back in the offices again anytime soon? Uh. We have plans uh, to be fully remote through, I think employees have the option at Moz through the rest of 2021. And after that, uh, we'll see, which is funny because we actually moved offices in the middle of the pandemic. It, was, it had been planned for three years. Uh, so we have these, we have a brand new shiny office that no one goes to and it's, it's really weird. It's probably one of the only offices in the world that doesn't have like tuna fish sandwiches rotting on a desk somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Someone goes in once a week and like, you know, uh, cleans everything off, but, uh, but there's always like candy and yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird experience. Okay, we are down to our to our last couple of minutes. Um, there are new people getting into our industry all the time. Um, we actually we have a problem of people getting into our, in our industry without actually pursuing any any form of qualifications <laughs> first. But if you were to give advice to somebody who wanted to open a link building business, what would it be? Oh, oh man. Uh... To make great content and form relationships. Uh, I think people who start link building take the shortcuts and they're looking for the easy way out. Link building is hard uh, to do it right. Uh, it's a skill that you acquire, but start start with making great content first and get good at that. And that's where I'd, that's where I'd start. Okay, Cyrus, um, thank you so much for, for, for coming on the show today. It was... Uh... I know when, when, when we were first exploring uh, you coming on, there wasn't a lot of controversy, and then suddenly, <laughs> boom, all this controversy blew up. 
I'm so glad you. I'm so glad you I, came on. Uh, thank you so much. This has, been, this has been a fun hour. I, I hope we created more controversy today. Uh, <laughs> I, I, it's been fun geeking out. <laughs> we are definitely going to hear about some of this, no <laughs> doubt. But again, Cyber Shepherd from Oz. Thank you so much for for spending time oh, with us on Webcology today. Thank you, Dave and Jim. Thank you. Friends, you've been listening to Webcology on WMR.FM. Um, it is the 6th of May, 2021, at time of recording. COVID is still real. We are well on our way to getting uh, our countries vaccinated, but until we get everybody vaccinated, until people have had their second dose, please continue to wear a mask, continue to social distance, respect your neighbors, take care of your, your communities, don't spread the virus. In fact, try to be like where the virus stops. We're gonna get our society back sooner than later, but we all gotta act together. Stick around with uh, WMR.FM. We got some great, great, great content coming up after the news. On behalf of Dave Davies from Beanstalk Internet Marketing, this is Jim Hedger from Digital Always Media. Be well, we'll talk to you next week. Opinions expressed in this WMR.FM program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of WMR.FM. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.